life can only be understood backwards, yet it must be lived forwards. The Danish philosopher Søren Kierkegaard. Welcome to the first ever episode of Datalog. My name is Amat Pro, and I'm a web archivist at Datahord. Datahord is an online web preservation community, and we do projects on preserving internet history. Otherwise, we write a blog or two on what's going on on the archiving scene. You may be familiar with some projects Datahord has been involved in the past, such as the YouTube Annotations Archive or the YouTube Community Contributions Collection. And if this is the first time you are hearing about these projects, that's even better. The podcast may serve as a, perhaps an introduction to the web archiving scene for you. And what better way to start this podcast than reading a few headlines? It's time for the news. We have some good news from Ruffle, the Flash Player emulation project. Ruffle is an open source Flash Player emulator written in Rust, both on desktop and also on smartphones and tablets. Owing to the amazing contributions of Dinnerbone, the latest version of Ruffle introduces bitmap drawing and blend modes. In plain English, that means much better visual effects. If you're feeling nostalgic about web games like the Fancy Pants Adventures World 2 or Fireboy Watergirl in the Forest Temple, you can see Ruffle in action on Newgrounds.com. Or if you want to try some other Flash game or animation for yourself, head to ruffle.rs. That's R-U-F-F-L-E dot R-S. It's not, it's still not quite perfect yet because they're still working on filter effects like glow and blur, but the results so far are very much exciting. It's good to see it for the future of interactive web media. This last week, the Internet Archive held a Public Domain Day film contest in honor of all the works from 1927 which have just entered the public domain. Hence the name, the contest consists of vintage images and sounds being remixed into short films. Let not the work of the past fall to moth-bitten scrap. We have the power to save our core, our culture, our creation from the rot of the decomposer, the time-eater, the fungal spore. The plague of history, nipped and gnashed, let not kings nor selective texts decide what is known among you. Ignore the temptation of hippocampal decay, plunge into the dark depths of the near-forgotten. That was an excerpt from The First Place Winner, Echo Echo by Nats Gonzalez. All 47 entries are currently viewable on the Internet Archive at blog.archive.org. And for future reference, they may be found by searching Public Domain Day Film Contest 2023. And now, back to the discussion. Archive is a word that gets thrown around a lot. So what better way to start the podcast series itself than with some talk on data and archiving? Now, data comes in different shapes and sizes. It can be anything from family photos to your Instagram selfies to messages, your conversations and exchanges with people can be considered data. That is to say, memories of the past, who you are, where you were, what you were doing. The process of retaining this data in an album or on the web is what we term archiving. Where you put your data becomes your archive. Let's take, for example, big data. Tech giants are able to store massive quantities of information and train artificial intelligence to learn from said data. Recently, OpenAI's ChatGPT has been making the rounds as a wonderful chatting program. ChatGPT is capable of doing math, helping you write essays, and making up historical events which are absolutely fictional. All of this required the careful amassing and organizing of chat data. All those data scientists, engineers, 
and researchers involved were doing some kind of archiving in their own way. Thus we can turn those memories of the past into a marvel of the future. In fact, you don't have to think so big at all. Anyone can become involved in archiving on some scale. Have you ever seen the movie Moneyball? Bill James was just a humble baseball fan who did not like the way player performance was being judged. It was subjective and short-sighted. The persona the player put on for himself made them a good or bad player, and it was a part of the whole spectacle. James felt that this attitude was hurting the game for everyone, so he sat down and began to record his own statistics on games and analyze them more scientifically. He describes it as better sports writing, without the tabloid headlines. He compiled match and player data for decades before eventually getting into professional advising for baseball teams himself. This gave birth to what we today call sabermetrics, or the statistical study of baseball. There was no need for massive hard drives, or big libraries, or even a budget of any kind, just some passion and a good ability to allocate dedicated time. So there you have it, anyone can become an archivist. Of course, not everyone has the purest of intentions in doing so, there's obviously a dark side to archiving which is maybe worth talking about for a moment. To some people, an archive only means a stash of blackmail material, such an archivist will only collect harmful memories of the past. It isn't uncommon at all to see public figures have archives exposed to discredit them. As always, knowledge is power, and archives can be used both for good and for evil. There is a moral responsibility for the archivist to choose for what purpose that they want to use the data which they have amassed in their archives. Well enough of that. If you are brave and want to make your mark on the world as an archivist, it's obviously a good idea to study the work of some other archivists. First and foremost, we have the Internet Archive, founded some 20 years ago. The Internet Archive is home to the Wayback Machine, which is the largest known collection of web data. These include snapshots from old blogs, Twitter, you name it. In addition to the Wayback Machine, the Internet Archive also hosts digital collections, books, and all sorts of other things. The Internet Archive has a blog you can follow, and they also maintain some active presence on Twitter, if you're so inclined. Speaking of Twitter, let's talk about Jason Scott. Jason Scott, among other things, is the proprietor of textfiles.com and has played an important role in the preservation of much of the internet's early history through his infamous BBS documentary. Nowadays, though, he goes around helping museums and hobby archivists get their projects out. But maybe Twitter is too old-fashioned for you and you prefer TikTok. I can say that the lovely folks running at MI Jewish Heritage from the Michigan Jewish Heritage Center always share some great clips. And their TikTok is probably one of the rare places on the internet where you can learn about analog archiving, which hasn't all become digital. And then, of course, have us, DataHoard. Like I said earlier, DataHoard is primarily interested in web archiving, especially in the Web 2.0 era. Perhaps you might be interested in some of the past guides and tutorials we have shared on our website, datahoard.org. That's D-A-T-A-H-O-R-D-E. Else you may be looking for other archivists to exchange ideas with. If so, you may be interested in joining our Discord, which is linked to from our website, and possibly also the podcast description, depending on what platform you're listening to this on. Well, that's enough of that. Tune in next week to hear me talk about HDDs and SSDs, how to manage your storage. Until then, this has been the Mad Pro, signing off.